very famous man called Job. Took some time and wondered about his God. And he was wondering about how God cares so much about men. I think he received a revelation of how great this God is. How high and lifted this God is. And so he looked at himself in comparison in this great and mighty God. And he said these words in Job 7, 17. What is man that you should exalt him? Uh-huh. That even when he gathers in very few numbers, even when he gathers and he's not willing to gather, yet the heavens are there watching intently what he's doing. What is man that you should exalt him? That you should set your heart on him. And that you should visit him every morning. And test him every moment. In four questions, he is wondering how God is so interested in us simple little men. How God is interested in what potentially are specks of dust. And yet, he is so concerned about us. Sets his heart so much upon us. That not only are our names written in the palm of his hand. But he thinks about us constantly. The multitude of the thoughts that God thinks about you are too numerous that you cannot count them. And this evening, he is thinking about you. You know what he says when he thinks about you? I know the thoughts I have for you. And they are good thoughts. They are not to harm you. Sometimes you may be even convinced that I'm out to harm you. But my, his thoughts are to give you a future. To give you an expected end. So, so I do not know where you find yourself this evening. I do not know what your thoughts particularly are towards God right now as we speak. Sometimes we think of Him lovingly. Sometimes we are angry at him. 
Sometimes we don't even remember him. <laughs> we are too preoccupied with what's going on. We don't even remember. It takes us some time to say, but God. But he has set his heart upon you. There is no one that thinks about you like God thinks about you. And even right now, his heart is set upon you. I don't know what you can find in yourself to set with God who you know is looking and listening to you right now. And I want to encourage you with just two seconds, three seconds, tell him, Lord, this is how I feel. This is how I have come this evening. These are my worries this evening. This is what has kept me worried all day long. But I come before you. Mighty and glorious God. Renew me. Renew my faith. Renew my strength. Whisper to me some encouraging and comforting words. Say to my heart that you love me. Reassure me with your love again. Reassure me with your presence again. Reassure me with the good thoughts that you have for me. Sometimes I forget them, my God. Sometimes the situations and circumstances before me grow so big that I lose sight of you, my God. But here I am this evening. Renew my vision. May you reassure yourself as this great and mighty God that may, my faith may rest in you again. That the storm that is raging in me may calm down. And that my worries may disappear this evening. Because I am come before you. Great and awesome God. Loves me so much that you gave me your only begotten son. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're welcome this Friday evening. It's good to see you. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord. It's always important. That when you come before God, when you come in the presence of God, that you find peace in whatever you may be going through. You know, sometimes I think we come like robots before the Lord. We, we are so used to our schedules and routines. We know what must happen and we come. We know we begin with an hour of prayer and we, we march. We march on. We just march on. 
Ngatuzize tumanyi bintu nga wigendo kutambula ngera tutambula butambuzi na mbera. And there is nothing wrong with that. Erata wali chichamu mucho. But I am a firm believer in someone who is true and honest with God. Nenze ndi muntu akiriza muntu oyo omwesimbu eri katonda. Someone who is honest enough to tell God when when they are sad and say Lord I just feel sad today. Omuntu omwesimbu oyogamba mukama anti mukama olwali lompuliranga ndi so that when you come here, you tell him and you find peace in his presence. No, before the Father, you can be vulnerable. Today things have failed. Hallelujah. All right. In the to bring a close to the lessons that we've been learning from Gideon's life. I must confess this has not only been fun for me but it has been such a crucial lesson for me personally. I did not know these things before we did these lessons. As I prepared the lessons, the Lord would bring these things to me. So as I taught here, I was teaching them to myself. And many times after the class, I've gone home and I've been thinking about them and they have been... <laughs> A challenge to me myself, but wow. So if you miss the, the lessons that began, you have to wait until God takes us around to Gideon again. <laughs> we, we have so many leaders to learn from from the Bible that I do not know when we will be back to Gideon. So we saw from the life of Gideon the principles and patterns of how God makes his leaders. Leaders don't just happen suddenly. There is a process, there is a format that God takes them through to make them leaders. We also saw how God adds to a leader his team. We also saw how uh, uh, God builds the faith of a leader. And last Friday we saw the leaders' tests of ministry. Today we want to close with the leader and success. To look at, at the final aspect of a leader's journey. Especially with the example of Gideon. God called him. God used him. And he went through all of the tests he went through. But the wonderful news is Gideon fulfilled his purpose. The ministry that was preordained for him before the foundation of the earth. The man walked in it. 
And he fulfilled it. And he fulfilled it successfully. There is such a thing as walking into the ministry of God and doing it faithfully and finishing it successfully. You know, for me, right now, it does encourage me. That man is not always going to tussle and struggle with ministry. It's not, it's, it's not an eternal struggle. There comes a time when you have done your part. When the Lord will say, well done, this is where you end, you have done your part. That's good So much better if you have done it successfully. God hand-picked Gideon and gave him an assignment to deliver Israel from Midian. That was his purpose. It is the only thing he's mentioned for in the Bible. The other part they mentioned Gideon is in Hebrews 11 when, where they talk about the men of faith. So Gideon fulfilled his ministry and he did it successfully. But as we will see with Gideon's example, success brings a completely different aspect to, a to the life of a leader. And success can mess up everything that you have done in the past. Hallelujah. Now, now, I do not want you to think I am not yet there. That was one big bang success for Gideon. I have not yet come to that. And so you disqualify yourself from the class and you tune off the rest of the time and say, if you're still young, it's being quarter. In our lives every day, there are successes, victories that we achieve, we attain. For example, when you finish senior four like him, that's a success. That's victory. If you set out to build a house and you finish it, it's a success. It's a victory. If you decide to do a worship concert and you call everyone together and it happens well, it's success. It's a victory. So each one of you has, uh, has enjoyed a success, a victory somewhere. And what we are going to learn applies to you directly. Each one of you. We're going to finish up the, the chapter of eight, Judges chapter eight. And we're going to, you know how I like to do it, we go verses by verses, I give you a point and then we go verse by verse and uh, 
That's how I love to do it because I want to see you the, the depth and the riches that are in the word of God. I want you to begin learning how to milk the scriptures. Hallelujah. Point number one. There is cost to success. Or the cost of success. The cost of success. Verse, chapter 8, verse 8, beginning from 18 to 21. The English Bible calls them crescent ornaments. Ornaments. We have to realize that the cost of Gideon's success began the day appeared to him by the wine press. Everything that he was going through was aimed to the point where he will achieve success from. And the cost of his success began at the very onset of his ministry. We saw that God told him that he had to tear down his father's Baal altar and sacrifice two bulls. And we saw that it was so hard for him he could not do it during the day. He did it by night. And if he had not been able to do that, he would not have arrived at the end of the ministry. We saw that the guy had to stand firm when God did the unthinkable of thinning his army to only 300 men. It put a huge test on his faith. We saw that he had to attack the camp despite the fact that he only had to blow trumpets. He had to endure the envy of Ephraim, his brother. He had to endure the betrayal of his brother, God. All of those were costs that were setting up 
him up for success. But now in these verses, Gideon comes to the crowning moment of his success. He has two kings in his hand. These were the head of the enemy who had afflicted Israel for seven years. You have to remember Gideon had never been involved in any army or a war. He had never been to war. The Bible says that before him, Deborah had been the judge and the land had been in rest for 40 years. So he grew up in those 40 years of peace. When the Lord told him to attack, that was the first time that Gideon was going to war. So he goes to war. The war gets finished. Now he has two of the arch rival enemies of Israel. And Gideon does not know what to do with them. I want to think that all of this time to this point Gideon had been issuing orders for people to attack and kill and remember it is the Lord who had killed most of the army. So, it is possible that up to this point, Gideon had not done a single kill. He had not killed any, even one man like this. But now he has two kings. They are the biggest enemies. He looks at them. And he asks them something that does not concern anything that has been going on. The men that you killed at Tabor, what did they look like? <laughs> Why would he need to ask them that? He is trying to find a reason what to do with these men. And they say to him, they were like you, like sons of a king, like Chitaka, son of a king. <laughs> By the way, when I was still young, I used to call myself Omwana Omwami. Omwami ye katonda, so, so Gideon says to them, if you had not killed them, I would not have killed you, but now I am going to kill you. He says to his son, and I believe he says it because he doesn't want to kill himself. Jethan, Ethan, arise and kill. And the young man froze there. And the kings tell him something. Do you want success? It is going to cost you our lives. Rise up and kill us yourself. Because as a man is, so is his strength. Are you strong enough? 
this victory and Gideon gathers himself and he does something I believe he was doing for the first time. He does something I believe he did not even want to do. And he kills two kings. How many of you have ever killed a person? So you, you, you do not know what it feels like to take a panga and hack someone's head off. Yeah. <laughs> thing I want you to see is that Gideon could not have claimed success. His ministry would not have ended successfully unless he had taken that one last step of killing two men. And that is no joke. And the thing I want you to appreciate is that success does not easily fall in the laps of people who are just seated there. I guarantee you, even if it is God who has called you, and God has commissioned you, success in ministry is not just going to fall in your laps. I want to be real with you. Because I have seen these things. And I have told you this before. Born again men wake up one day and a, a bishop tells them, today you are going to be walking through town. Go to the buildings that you find in town. I heard this with my own ears. Put your hand on the building and claim it and it will be yours. Many years later, I asked the people who put their hands on the building. Do you own the buildings right now? What do you think? Do you own do they own them? How will God take a building? And entrust it with someone who has never bought a single block like this. Someone who does not know how much a water bill can be for a building like that. If you are going to attain success, it is going to take work. Allow me to tell you this. For sometimes we thought that all you have to do is come to church. Pray a lot. In fact, spend the whole day praying. And things will manifest. I'm sorry to tell you. Pray a lot. That one don't stop doing. Pray a lot. But work hard as well. If you have to show up for ministry, show up for ministry. If, if, if you know there are some churches in the village there. When it comes to building time, 
They have to lay the bricks for themselves. Here in the cities, we just buy bricks. And the pastor goes before everyone. He says, today, the Bible study is going to be in the grass there as we lay bricks. And that's how they have built churches. They sing, they praise, they are laying bricks. We have to come to a point where we know that we must put in effort, we must put in work. This is not a work to earn salvation. It's not what I'm saying. But it is a work of faith, working for him who has called us to serve you. Success will only come after you work and work hard. Point number two. The perils of success. Or the dangers of success. Verse 22 up to verse 27. Mm. Basaba Hallelujah. Now, one of the sweetest feelings that you will ever feel on this earth is the joy of success. When you do something and you finish it successfully, it brings such a satisfying joy that for, for quite some time you will be walking on the clouds. My job this evening is to warn you about the dangers in that time when you were walking on the clouds. Because the devil waits for men right there. Just like he was waiting for Gideon when he was walking on the clouds. He had just finished demolishing an enemy who had been killing them. 
Everyone was singing, our man, our man, well done, our man. When you do something and everyone is full of praise, when Has it ever is happened to you when you do something, you are the best. You did so well. And in that time that they told Gideon that, they said, now we want you to rule over us. And not just you, your son also after you. And not just your son, but even your grandson, we want him to rule us. <laughs> Israel had always been under the governorship of God. What do they call that? A, uh, a theocracy? Theocratic government? Which kind of government is that? Theo hey. Theocracy. Th they had, their president was God. But right now, Israel was very ready to throw God away. And give the leadership to a man who had been successful because God had given him success. In that moment, they weren't seeing God at all. They were seeing Gideon. All of their praise at that moment was not for God, but for Gideon because now Gideon was the deliverer. And let me tell you what. That feels good to us men. It feels good when everyone is saying the best words to you, when everyone is saying, our man, our man. You, you literally walk on higher clouds. And I want you to see that most men would receive that leadership that is supposed to be for God. The first trap that waits for a leader who has attained success. Haven't you seen it? When mere men have become men of God, and everyone says man of God, man of God, and men are literally worshipping the men of God. Haven't you seen a prophet who one day accepted men to kiss his feet and he was seated right there like this? Do you know what is happening? He has uttered some prophecies which came to pass his successful. Now every man is saying, our man, the man of God, he's the prophet of God. And they are saying to him, we want you now to be our savior. We want you all. In fact, you are our God. And he himself, okay, you begin kissing my feet. And he takes the praise that is supposed to be of God and he receives it to himself. This is going to happen to you. Whether you like it or not. They will see you when God has used you successfully. And then they will begin to heap 
rises upon you. And they would say, in fact, from today onwards, you are Jesus himself. <laughs> and the day a man receives the praise of Jesus, Jesus steps on the side and he allows you to become God. So you will go in so many churches now. Please forgive me for saying this. The, the man of God has become God in that congregation. But I want you to see what Gideon did. What did Gideon say? Gideon I will not rule over you. Let God rule over you. Do you remember when God called him a mighty man of valor? This is valor. It takes, it takes strength for someone to say, no, I will not receive your praise and worship. Give it to God. He will regard you as a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor if you refuse his praise like angels do and say you worship him alone. Allow me to be your case study. Because I know success was ordained for me. I've actually, I've, I've actually received this prophecy. Success was ordained when I put my hand on something, that something sees the prosperity of God. It's so wait for me when I am come in my kingdom. <laughs> because I am coming with all of you. And you will see men who you have never seen before. They will come here and they say, no, we were there here. We were in the tent with you. <laughs> and I will begin to say sweltering, swelling words about the man of God. <laughs> if you never remind me to give God the glory, let us die all together. But that's the danger of Success. The other danger of success is called self-confidence. Yeah? Like you know, like you no longer need to inquire from God, you no longer need to hear from Him. You are confident, you know what to do, you just go ahead and do it. Because tell me. Why do you think Gideon asked for the elements from the from the from the Israelites? And when he got the elements and the necklaces, why did he make an effort out of it? Where did he get it from? That he should make an effort out of this. Uh, necklaces. Did he hear it from God? 
All his journey from day one had been God this, God that. God had led him up to this point. And at this point, he doesn't ask God anything. He just gets the necklaces and he makes an effort. And when he made the effort, Israel began to worship the effort. The Bible has said that they played the harlot with this effort. And the Bible has said that it became a snare to Gideon and his household for the rest of his life. He did not inquire from God about this. He just made a decision and he did it. And a lot of times that comes with success. When we men do one thing and we are successful in it, and everyone begins to blow the trumpet for us. We come to the point where we think we no longer need to inquire from God. We know what to do. We know how to bring the numbers in church. And we know how to get them to give. We know how to begin a ministry anywhere that we want. And we end up with a snare on our hands. Normally it's You end up with a burden in your, on your back. If you ever allow your success to give you self-confidence, you will surely get derailed. Number three, the fruit of success. What comes out of success? And this is Somorwa Mirimu Omonana. Verse 28. Mm-hmm. As a must, the successful accomplishment of any God-given task. As a must, the successful accomplishment. Of any God-given task. Will yield peace. That, that, that is a spiritual law that operates in all ways. If you complete something successfully and God sent you to do it. When you complete it, you get peace in that respective area of life. If you have read the book of Gideon of Judges before, you will see that every time God raised a judge, who delivered Israel from one enemy or another? What would happen next would be a long 
period of peace. And the Bible says, and the land rested and they had quiet for the next 40 years. Actually, it was mostly 40 years. All the time it was 40 years. And you know, I think this is important. Because as human beings, we want peace. We really want peace. We do not like to have trouble on our hands. And we don't like stress. The easiest way of getting peace for yourself is to successfully accomplish any task that God gives you. If the task that God has given you right now is studies, if you successfully finish your studies, you will get peace. That is guaranteed it is the way of God. Talking about studies, one of the things that I hated most while I was studying was winter. I hated winter. I hated winter. I hated morning preps. But because I had to do my education, I bet winter so much that even when I finished school, it took me a while to reverse my hours in the night. Every night at two, I would wake up. And the thing I survived most when I ended studying was winter, was morning preps. Now when I wake up, I wake up to pray. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh. So, Bantumwe, you people, <laughs> I want to tell you, if you want peace, try and find out what God wants you to do. When you find it, give your whole strength to that. Do it faithfully. And you will find peace when you are done. Even before you, you finish it, God will begin to give you peace because you are doing what he wants you to do. And then, number four, last, I want you to see that there is also a trap to peace. That is how it is in scripture. 29 up to 32. <laughs> No mzana we eari sekem, na ye na mzalamu omwana oobu lenzi, na mtuma elinya abimele. Gidioni mtabani wa yowas, na afanga kadie burunji, neba muzika mutana ya yowas, tawe, muofula, etaba bezi ye. Now, I, I want you to see something. 
From the day that the angel appeared to Gideon, those who have counted said that that holy ordeal until he subdued the Midians happened within like a week. It's not in the Bible, but you know when you read it, the Bible keeps saying, and the same night, and the same night, and they say it, it took like seven, if at most it must have taken like a month. But let's take seven days. In seven days, three chapters are written about Gideon. In those seven days that he was fulfilling, doing the task of God. In the 40 days of 40 years of peace, only three verses are written about Gideon. <laughs> In 40 years. And the thing they write about him. Number one, he had 70 sons. They didn't even bother to count the daughter. Because he had so many wives. When he got peace. <laughs> This is how he used his peace. He found all of the wives that he could find. And had as many children as could come out of his calves. In those 70 years, 40 years, he also got a concubine. And got a son out of that concubine. The son was called Abimelech. If you read the next chapter, this Abimelech killed all of his 70 sons. See the next chapter. All you have to do is read. And the last thing that is written about Gideon in 40 years, he died. Yep. And he was buried in a good old age. So much was written about him when he was serving God. He was doing something for the kingdom. And when he found peace, he found ruin. You know, th this is what I have seen about worldly peace. Because you know, there are two kinds of peace. No, there, is, there is peace in the world. There is peace in the world. You know where there is no wars, where the economy is going well, businesses are going well, and money can be earned. When people get this peace, the next thing that they get is called prosperity. Because when they get the peace, they begin to work and then they make money and they prosper. When they prosper, do you know what comes next? Pleasure. They begin to indulge themselves in pleasure. I saw this happen 
with the reign of Mr. Museveni. When he came, he brought peace. The wars ended. People began to work. And people began to get money. They began to prosper. Going to the beach and club started in the 90s. And the devil always waits someone when someone is having pleasure. Because it is the devil's expertise to pervert pleasure. They who used to take their wives outside. Now they began to get other, other people and, and everything became perverted. Until they even began to take fellow men themselves. But they started with by taking their wives out. And when pleasure is perverted, then man must perish. Peace, prosperity, pleasure, perversion, perishing. It caught up with Gideon. And you know how God's way is when it comes to these five things? When God gives you peace, the next thing that he gives you is purpose. What the devil does is he takes purpose out of peace. But if you get peace and you find purpose, then you will find prosperity. Then you will find pleasure in the Lord. And then you will be perfected. You will attain perfection. And I want you to see number five, the end point of misused peace. they ended up returning to the very first point where they began from. It is the book of Judges is called the vicious circle of sin, persecution, crying to God and going back the same way again. Peace is without purpose. No matter where it is. 
Whether it is in a nation, whether it is in a church, whether it is in a family, when there is peace without purpose, I guarantee you that you may fight so hard to deliver them, but they will go back to the same exact thing where it began. Let me give you a perfect example. In the 80s coming into the 90s, there were some very successful businessmen. The people who had somehow managed to survive those years of destruction of the Rutuas and the Amins. The, the, the high class place was Mutundwe in then their times. The color of then was Mutundwe. This is where these guys uh, lived. And this is where they built very nice houses. And they lived pleasurable lives. And they stored up wealth for their children. They did not include the purposes of God in their lives or their children's lives. But they believed we are working for our children. We are going to leave these many things for our children. Fast forward. Like Gideon. Gideon. They died. And you know what their children did? They became drunkards 311. They sold the inheritances of their fathers had left them. They went back to a worse state than where their fathers began from. At one time, the most expensive place became the most known place for thieves and burglars. The children they had left the inheritance for were now the ones who were terrorizing the villages, stealing from them. They arrested them. Some of them were killed. Some of them went to prison. And some remained village drunkards to this day. Me that you see, I was once a son of so and so. This is a trap that repeats itself over and over and over again that I keep saying, when do we learn? I keep thinking if Gideon had invested some form of God's purpose in those 40 years, the story would have ended differently. But the story ends they forgot their God. They even forgot to show kindness to Gideon who delivered them. From so what do you think? How did Gideon finish? Did he finish well? Which is such a sad thing. 
But to this day, he is one of the men mentioned as the man of faith in the Bible. And I know that he's there in heaven. And I know when we get there, we will ask him, how did you do it to bear 70 sons? Some of us tried so hard, we only get four. four. <laughs> Father, I want to thank you for this evening. Thank you for these lessons that we learned from the man called Gideon. Thank you because Gideon is not any different from us. Gideon, and that the things that we learn from his life are things that are waiting for us on the corner. Mighty God, I pray for your grace, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to go through these things in a way that pleases you. When we are tempted by success, and when men exalt and lift us up, may we always bring the glory and the honor back to you. Because how could we have been here if it wasn't for you? Help us never to rely on ourselves, Lord. To think that we know what to do or the way that we should go. For how could we have come here if it wasn't for you? Help us to always remember to rely on you, our God. To inquire of you. To follow your guidance. And to do your will. Now, my Father, I thank you because you have said these words to me that success was ordained for me. In the same breath, my God, I speak it upon your people. This here this evening. May success be their portion. May they accomplish everything they put their hand upon. everything they put their hand upon prosper. Bearing fruit in everything that they do. Fruit that remains. I declare it upon them. That they shall be successful in every season that you will bring in their lives. And at the end of their lives, we will celebrate successful lives. We receive the success of the heavens as our inheritance as what we must attain in everything we do. We thank you and we love you.